We are entering into the sixth week of not being able to gather as a church. I hate to have to say that out loud, but that's true. And based on what Governor Cooper said uh, this past week, it looks like we're looking at at least another, what is that, I guess two weeks now, at least that of a statewide stay-at-home with some kind of progression of getting out of that. On the other hand, we've also had about, I think the last count I saw was something over 52,000 people in the United States who have lost their lives from some complication from COVID-19. We can debate those numbers, and I know there are conspiracies out there that do debate them a little bit, and I understand that, but what is not debatable is that there are over 26 million Americans who are now out of work, pushing our unemployment up to really Great Depression-era numbers. Our kids can't go to school. Our graduates, we've got at least one. I know Isla is supposed to graduate this year. She's not going to be. I don't know what they're going to do from a graduation ceremony at Southeast, but I know a lot of schools are not having graduation ceremonies. So they're not able to enjoy a well-deserved graduation ceremony. We've got some college students as well. who are Things are complicated for them. Everything seems stuck. Everything seems stopped. Everything seems frozen right now. As I even mentioned earlier, I just want this to be over with. <laughs> I just want this to be done. Some of us are praying about it. Some of us are complaining about it. Some of us just don't know what to think or do about it. And it's times like this that the Lord can seem like he is a million miles away. You can feel like he's abandoned you. That's how I think the psalmist felt as he was writing Psalm 88. This was, as one writer put it, this is not a psalm for the optimist. This is a psalm for the realist. This is a psalm that, as far as I know, it is the only psalm like this. It starts in darkness, and if it could ever get any darker, it ends in more darkness. Almost every other psalm, even though they may begin in darkness, begins with an uplifting thought. This one doesn't even go there. But this song was sung by Israel really as a corporate lament. If you can imagine, even though there's a lot of personal pronouns, I, the, the, what's, in, what's in personified in this psalm is actually the nation. We as a nation are under siege. We as a nation feel like we're abandoned. So they would often sing this as a, as a way of the, the body, the, the, the nation even, raising its voice to God saying, Lord, please help us. Lord, where are you? But I think the key to this psalm and what I want to try to draw your attention to, I don't know any other way to do it than just to kind of bluntly lay out here for you what I want you to see and then I'll talk you through it for the next few minutes. The key to this psalm is recognizing to whom the psalm is directed. Look at who he's directing the psalm to. Look in verse 1. O Lord God of my salvation. The psalmist is crying out because of his troubles. You see this starting in verse 3. He says, my soul is full of troubles. And he kind of goes through a, a detailed list, and I'll just briefly mention them so without rereading the whole psalm. But in verse 3, he says, I'm close to death. We do know, according to the Bible, it is appointed unto man once to die. So we know that we are all, whether we'd like to admit it or not, a lot closer to death than we'd like to admit, but we are. But sometimes we feel a little more like it than others. He even says in verse 4, he's talking about going into the pit, and that, that is a reference essentially to hell. 
He says, I am destined for hell. I'm destined for hell. The last part of that verse, he says, I just feel helpless against it all. This is my fate. This is what I'm doomed. I'm destined to do, and I just feel helpless. I have no strength, no physical strength to stop it, no spiritual strength to stop it, no mental strength. I am completely wiped out. And in fact, what's interesting in verse 5, he talks about being free among the dead, and the image there, while he would use different words, but in our modern era, we might think about zombies, people walking around among the dead. He says, I, 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 have no, I have no hope against the fate that is destined to me, yet I feel like I am a spiritual zombie just walking around waiting to die. In verse 5, he talks about the last part there. He says, you don't remember us anymore. He says, we're just doomed and destined to be forgotten. It's a pointless, pointless living, a pointless existence. There's troubles, and sometimes we get to this point where the troubles that come in and bear on us, they just feel like they're so heavy and so hard, you start to believe, what is the point? Why bother? Why bother? You can actually do nothing about it, so why in the world would I even bother? Verses 6 and 7, you can see from the words that he uses there that he feels like he is under the judgment of God the pounding power and weight. He uses that, the phrase or the, the imagery of um, all, these, all these waves that are coming at you. The image in my mind was when Harrison, he's now, he's, he's a big old boy now, but when he was about Jude's age around that time, we would go to the beach and he would stand there and those, right there where the, on, the, on the shore where the, the, break, the, the waves would break in on there. And right there, we'd go to the Outer Banks a lot of times because we liked a little more isolation. And there was some pretty rough waves that would come in on there. And that boy, and it was cold too because it's pretty far north, and we would go as early as we could to be as cheap as we could. So it's cold, hard waves, and that boy sitting there, a pair of shorts, and he would stay all afternoon, just get pounded by those waves. <laughs> and I think that's part of why he's so mean. But... Uh, but it just made me at that image of just constant, because I remember going myself, and I mean, obviously, I'm a grown man. Them things would knock you down, but he would love it. But the point here is that image of just being constantly pounded and pounded and overwhelmed and knocked down by those waves. That's, that's the image that comes to my mind when he's talking about being under God's judgment. God's wrath is too much for him. But he's saying, my life is full of trouble. But because that trouble is so terrifying and so overwhelming to me, he is crying out to God. What I want to go ahead and say real quick, and I'm going to keep, get back to my message here, my notes here, but I want to say to you very directly, the point of this message this morning is to tell you that life without God is a terrifying proposition. Life without God is one where you are destined for hell. Life without God is one in which you are one step away from death. Life without God is one where you are helpless against your faith. Life without God is pointless and apt to be forgotten. Which is why the psalmist in verse 1 cries out. He cries out day and night. He is crying out. The words crying out literally are shouting. It's a shrill yelling, a panicked scream speaking of waves i remember when eli he was just playing the piano so you know the end of the story worked out okay 
but we were out again on the outer banks where it was actually the, right there at um, out near Hatteras out that area that's far south and he, we, he was out there just messing around and didn't really wasn't paying attention but they some real bad um, what's those called those, those currents undercurrent bad undercurrent bad undercurrent but he was out there messing around he got called in that thing got pulled out we couldn't hear a thing he was saying because he was so far out but you could tell he was panicking. I mean, he could tell you for himself he's sitting here and you he could tell you I'm sure he could tell you what his what he felt like and what was coming out of his mouth but I can imagine that there was a panic scream please help me please help me that's the kind of crying out we're talking about a shouting a hollering a yelling a panic screaming that I will have to get some help on this thing if you don't this is the world that I'm doomed and I'm destined to live in he says I'm doing this day and night verse 1 he is not stopping he is constantly going on he is desperately desperately begging for God to intervene in his circumstances life without God is a terrifying prospect and I will tell you if you're not praying about your circumstances right now you have not gotten quite the glimpse of how terrifying it could be but if you even get a little bit of a glimpse of it you will cry out your soul will scream in panic God please help me and when you feel that you need to understand that those moments of despair those moments of trouble are a very small taste of what eternity will be like without God those, those feelings, and right now, as bad as it is for some of us, it is only a small, small glimpse of life without God, that eternity without Him. I don't want it now, and I don't want it in eternity. So like that panic of not being able to breathe, and some of y'all have felt that before, that feeling like you can't breathe, like there's water going into your, into your lungs where you can't do anything else, and you'll just do anything. You'd fight to the last breath to get that help you need to have faith to call on him in your time of trouble don't give up he goes on in verse 2 he says let my prayer come before thee incline thy ear into my cry don't give up keep on because i know that god is going to hear your prayer i don't know what his timing is i don't know how long we preached about that last sunday morning we don't know how long he's going to be but i can promise you he will hear you he will hear you he will hear you a life without god is a terrifying prospect it is full of trouble but cry out to god don't give up keep on crying out not only is a life without god full of trouble it's also a lonely life says this in verse 8 he talks about how his friends his acquaintances his allies his friends anybody that was close to him they've actually rejected him it's funny if you want to look with me in verse 8 the last part it says there i am shut up and i cannot come forth i don't know if anybody finds any uh any uh familiar tones in that in that phrase uh but he's kind of stuck in a loop he can't go anywhere he can't change anything, can't make any progress. He's kind of in this, just, I can't do anything. I'm stuck. He's stuck in a loop, and he's got nobody on his side. Verse 10 talks about how there is nobody that's going to avenge him. He's saying, I, I need somebody that's going to be on my side. I need somebody to, to fight for me, because it looks like the bad guys are winning on this one. It looks like everybody's against me. I need a hero to come in and save me. Will you be that one, God? Even in verse 10, the last part, he says, shall the dead arise and praise thee. He says, 
I'll have no reason to praise you, God, because I'm about to die. The gloom and the darkness overshadows any and all good in my life, he's saying. I, it's so bad, it's so lonely. Yet in verse 9, he continues to cry. Look what he says. Mine eye mourneth by reason of affliction. Lord, I have called, upon, uh, called daily upon thee. He is, calls, he is mourning. He is through his tears. He is through his tears calling on God. He is through his misery and his poverty. That's that word affliction. His misery and his poverty. He is calling on God. He is humbly begging God to intervene in his circumstances. Life without God is terrifying. So terrifying that even when you feel hopeless, you better call out to God. If any of you have ever experienced real, deep, dark, depressive incidences in your life, some of us may be more than others. I understand that. I'm not trying to compare pain here, but some of you have experienced some real depressive circumstances, some depressive incidences in your life. And you know that that's a scary feeling. I remember one time, this is my one particularly serious incident with that, and it was actually induced by some medicine I was taking. I was taking some medicine, and I had a reaction to it. It was actually an emotional, mental reaction to it. And I remember it was the darkest I had ever felt in my life. And I never want to feel that feeling again. Because not only was there sadness, that's one thing, but there was a physical pain that associated with it. I, don't, I hated that. And some of you that are listening, you know exactly, in fact, you probably know even more than I experienced because that was only a small taste for a short period of time. People experience this for months and years on end. There's a physical pain. And you know what you would do? And some of you that don't know what I'm talking about, I want you to know this, that if you ever experience that, you will do anything in this world to stop it. You will try anything. In fact, you'll even go, and some people do this, that's why some people begin drugs and alcohol and, and sexual promiscuity. They pursue these things to try to tamp down the pain in their heart. They're trying to pursue everything, and they will literally do anything to stop what that hurt feels like. But in those times when you get that glimpse of how terrible and how hopeless life is without God, that is the time that even though there are tears streaming down your face, even though there's pain in your body, even though you don't know what else to do, and you feel like you don't even know if God is real, that is the time when you need to, through your tears, through your pain, you need to call out to this God. The Bible tells me in Romans chapter 8, he says that there's a Holy Spirit who will take, when you're just doing nothing more than groaning, he will take that up to the, the Father. He will explain it to him in a way you'll never be able to. And I want you to, through your tears and through your pain, call out to God because let me tell you, life is terrifying without God. And when you can't feel him, you better be terrified and you better call out to him and say, God, I can't feel you right now. I need you. You need you. I need you. And I'm crying, but I need you. Life without God is terrifying. We need to pray and call out to him even when it feels hopeless. The psalmist says in verse 11, he starts with this thought that says, listen, God, if you don't answer my, pr my prayer, if you don't hear my cry, it's not going to end well. It's not going to end well. It says in verse 11, 
never going to know how loving and trustworthy you really are. The psalmist knew this was true of God, but he said, I'm never going to really understand that. He says, I'm never really going to understand your justice, your truth, your righteousness. He uses the word righteousness, which really conveys all of that idea of justice and truth and, and honor. He says, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to understand that. I'm not going to fully appreciate that. All I'll ever feel, and he talks about this in verse 14, all I'm ever going to feel from you, God, is rejection. All I'm ever going to understand is your terrible rejection. And it's going to be this, this not, in verse 15, he talks about this terrible nihilistic end. It was all for nothing, it was all meaningless, and you're just going to destroy me. He says, I'm only going to experience your wrath. In verse 16, he talks about the wrath of God running through him almost like a knife through, uh, hot knife through uh, butter, just, just right through it. Shutting him up, it says in verse 16. Literally, I'll have nothing to say before you, God. In verse 17, you overwhelm me. I have absolutely nowhere to hide. In verse 18, oh my goodness, it gets dark. He says, I don't even have anybody to turn to. People that were my friends, people that loved me, they're against me. They're far away from me. He says, that's, if you, God, do not intervene, if you do not answer my prayer, if you do not hear my cry, it is going to be not just bad, it is going to end in destruction. So you know what he does? Verse 13, but unto thee have I cried, O Lord, and in the morning shall my prayer prevent thee. That word prevent there means, simply means go before. That's what he, that's the, the intention of that word means to go before he says the lord in essence what he's saying is lord i'm gonna get up early and i'm gonna pray to you as often as i can i'm gonna talk to you all day long because he is driven by the dread of another day without hearing from god he is driven by the dread of another day that he doesn't have the presence of god and he says, I don't even want to sleep. I'm not going to sleep in. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to cry out to you. I'm going to reach out to you. He goes on and says there that, that in, in, in verse 13, uh, he says, and I'm going to put my prayer that's going to prevent thee. I'm going to get up before you do, God. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I beat you to the prayer. He wants to know God. He wants to see God work. Life without God is so terrifying. And we need to allow those fears, and we have them. I think we'd be foolish not to admit that at least a few times, every now and again, one will creep up on you. And some of y'all may be overwhelmed by them, but some of us maybe every now and again, one will get up on us. And those fears, when they come, instead of us trying to be macho men and say, we'll figure it out, are in control ladies that we know that's not this is not the way this is not the time to try to put on the brave face this is a time to say that gives me a small glimpse of what life without my god going to look like and it should drive us to his feet and say lord i need you that thing scares me to death because it gives me a sense of what this world is like without you so i'm going to you god i need you please intervene our God is amazing. Our God does amazing things. Absolutely he does. He has done it before, and this, this evening we'll preach out of Psalm 44. He will do it again. That's what it's about. He will. And I want to be, be courtside 
You know how some of those celebrities at NBA basketball games get to be right there on the court? They're sitting there on a, on a folding chair right there as the, the players. I want to be right there when God does his work. I want to see it. And if he wants to pull me into the game, I won't be upset about that. But I want to be right there courtside while he wants to do it. What I do not want to do is be on the receiving end of his powerful hand, rejecting me, destroying me, because I've sat there and said, you know what? I'm just going to live with this world. I need to cry out to him. I need to cry out to him. We need to get to that point, like that man in John chapter 4. He comes to Jesus in chapter 4, verse 49. He's got a son at home that's dying. He comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, come down ere my child die. We've got to get to the point where we understand, God, you, we know you can do amazing things. We believe that. But right now, I ain't feeling it. Right now, I believe I'm under your wrath. And there may be some of y'all that are listening to me that actually feel like, yeah, you've heard this stuff before. Maybe, maybe somebody roped you into listening to it. Or maybe you didn't know what else to do right now and you just somehow stumbled across this. I don't know how you come up across this, but maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never had your sins paid for. You've never actually come to him in faith. You, you're sitting there and you're saying, I, I, I'm upset about the world around me. I don't know what the answer is. I want you to hear me and hear me clear, hear me clear that if you do not cry out to God, and if God doesn't answer your prayer, if you do, the end is hell. The end is destruction. Because just because you didn't cry out, that doesn't make God any less real. That just means you weren't looking for him. That means you were ready to bear the burden on your own. What I want you to hear is that it's time now to realize that what you're feeling, that fear that you're feeling now, is a taste of what's to come. And let it drive you to the Lord God Almighty. He will hear your prayer he will, I promise you that he will, would you call out to him? Sometimes we do feel like God's left the building. I do. I have to admit that. Sometimes it feels like we've been abandoned. And I want to tell you real quick, we haven't been abandoned. I feel like I need to tell you that we haven't. He's not left the building. He's right here. He's never left. But just for a second, what if it were true? What if? What if it were true? Did you know that if it were true that God truly has abandoned you, that the trouble that you're experiencing right now will first never get better and it will continue for eternity? If God has really abandoned you, did you know that there's no help anywhere? I mean, may the Lord bless President Trump. May the Lord bless Governor Cooper. May the Lord bless all of, uh, was it Dr. Fauci and all these other people that are trying to do what they're trying to do. May the Lord bless their efforts, but man, my hope is not on them. And I tell you what, I am so glad it's not on them because man, they don't, they're not going to be able to figure this thing out on their own. There is no help anywhere in the universe. There is no justice. There is no peace. If God's left the building, there's no hope. If God is gone, if God has abandoned us, we are doomed and we are destined for damnation and destruction. That's the end of all this. It's a terrifying thought, to me at least. Again, if it's not terrifying to you, I can't help you. 
If you're okay with all the world just ending in oblivion, I'm sorry, I can do nothing for you. But for me, for where I'm sitting as I'm reading this and I'm imagining letting my mind just go for just a moment, what if God truly has abandoned us? What would that look like? Scares me to death. It's a frightful idea, an eternity without God, without hope. The good news, as I've already told you, I can't wait to tell you this, the good news is God has not abandoned you. God has not abandoned you. He loved you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for your sins. That tells you right now that he has not forgotten you. You say, well, I don't even know anything about it. Well, that's even better. He's told you through this man that he's given to show you that he loved you that much. Now you know he loves you that much that he's not abandoning you. He's promised Christian that's listening to me. He's promised that he would never leave you. He's promised he would never. Through the end of the world, he said, I'm going to be with you. And do you know what, Christian, if you're a believer... He has given you the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you to comfort you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. He uses a word in the Bible about the Holy Spirit that he's kind of coming alongside of you like a coach. Get in the game. Keep on in there. Keep your head up. Keep going. Keep going. He's given that to you. He's not abandoned you. That doesn't mean you don't sometimes feel abandoned. Doesn't mean you don't sometimes feel lost. Doesn't sometimes feel like you're hurting or in need. But a world without God is terrifying. So when you feel that, even the inkling of it, cry out to your God. I want to encourage you to cry out to him for salvation. Cry out to him for some help that you need right now in this moment. Cry out to him for hope. Some of you need strength. Some of you need wisdom. Some of you need support. Because of how you feel, some of you feel awful. Some of you feel desperate. Don't let that drive you to to just give it up. No, no, no. Let that drive you to the feet of Jesus. Because he's going to hear you. In this dark psalm, as dark as it is, what is the psalmist doing? He's calling out to God the only one who will hear him, the only one who can fix the problem, would you call out to God?